Hi, John Vertigan here, and welcome to another episode of I Was a Teenage Prize Pig. Jonathan Vertigan from Glen Waverley is on the line. Jonathan Vertigan from Glen Waverley. Jonathan Vertigan of Glen Waverley. You got 50 bucks, John. Jonathan Vertigan, Jonathan Vertigan. Jonathan Vertigan. G'day, John. Here I was a teenage prize pig, baby. Here I was a teenage prize pig, baby. I, as a young lad, was a teenage prize pig. Definition of prize pig. Annoying person who rings radio stations to win stuff. CDs, records, holidays, the lot. But as I've explained in previous episodes, it wasn't just about the prize winning for me. It was more about the buzz of being on the air with my idols. And this episode of the podcast is a little bit different because I didn't actually win any prizes from my guest. However... I did contribute to his show. In 1990, 3XY was bought by the... Did I say 3XY? 3XY was bought by the parent company of Bay FM Geelong and began simulcasting with them. So I tuned into Bay FM through 3XY. And one night, very early in 1990, I heard radio that I'd never really been exposed to before. I know it had been done... But it was the first time for me that I'd uh, veered away from typical music-presenting-style radio. Rob Elliott was the jock, and he was doing stuff that was real theatre-of-the-mind gear that had me, as a teenager, wanting to get into the radio industry absolutely enthralled. The night I flicked over, Rob was doing an open talkback session called The Boogie Check, or Bogie Check. Rob would pound through the phone lines, getting as many people on the air as he could, And there were no rules. Listeners rang in, did shout-outs, told jokes, and and spoke with Robbo's alter ego, Gus, who was the station cleaner and in charge of the station's complaints department. I soon found out that this is a, a regular segment. He'd do two boogie checks each night. And here's how it sounded. A boogie check. Can I win the booby check? Can you win? Yeah. You don't win the boogie check, and it's not a boogie anyway, it's a boogie. A boogie. Oh, it could be a bogey if you want. <laughs> Have you got a bogey? No. Right, uh, boogie check. <laughs> it's the Prime Minister. Yeah. Get it. It's an Australia, Bob Hawke. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what an honour it is to have you on the boogie check. Uh, thank you there. Uh, what's your name there? Uh, it's Rob here. Yes, I'd just like to say it's uh, very good to be on the boogie check. Uh, yes. Um, do, you, do you like the station? Is it exciting you? Have you got a sticky? Uh, yes, I uh, get it on my private Ausfat. All oh, right. <laughs> uh, this is the boogie check. Hello. Yes. This is Nadia from Melton. Well, I'm happy. Oh, you're happy. I'm happy too. Oh, good. What would you like to say? Well, I'd like to say I'd like to wish a cheerio to my husband. Oh, what's his name? Steve. And where does he live? In Melton. With you? Yes. What would he live with you for? <laughs> I don't know. Why would I live with him? That's a pretty good point too. Uh, this is the boogie check. Hello. I'm currently just with a complaint. Yes. What do you want, you loser? Don't call me a loser. Well, I'm here to complain. Yeah. Too much classical music has been played over the radio. We're not playing classical music. Critter says you are. You're playing classical music. And wh- where are you at the moment? I'm in Hyden. You're in Hyden. Can you please uh, sit on the phone for a second? Yes. Uh, sure. What a painful ex- experience was that. Boogie check. Well, I was wondering if you'd be able to put a comment over the station soon. Yeah, what do you want to say? Um, Jason H. Keith, you should be... Be blown up. Yeah, you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, I think you should too. How about we blow you up at the same time? Yeah, all right. Eh? Easy come, easy go, I suppose. Hello, Rob. <laughs> 
I don't think you could get away with asking the Prime Minister if he had a stiffy. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to show how long ago it was uh, Bob Hawke Prime Minister. Bloody hell. These were some memories there. I don't how think you could get away with any of that today. How much fun was that? It was It was a lot of fun, but it was, it was fun because um, the people who rang up actually made it. I mean, if they weren't... Uh, Sorry. If they weren't, um, you know, if they didn't come up with the stories. Sorry, you should have answered the phone there, saying "Hello, Boogie Check." Yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to blow you up. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I don't have the racks of carts anymore, the cart machine. That's how old it is uh, to do it. But no, it was uh, it was it was a fun time, mate. Like I said, I, I don't. You would not be able to do that today. Well, the way we did it, anyway. So it came, it wasn't the first time it was done on Australian radio. It was done in a, a previous incarnation, Stereo 10. Yeah, the original boogie checker, I think it was a guy called Landecker out of the States. And I remember when I was at 4GY, when I was, uh, it was my third station, the late, great Paul J. Turner, who was the PD, he said, have a listen to this. And um, he played me this tape. And there was only about three or four callers that would get on and if you got on it was gold and uh, he did similar thought of, sort of thing I thought how good is this and um, then a guy I knew at the time Dave Daly and uh, he was a mate of mine he got a job at Stereo 10 so he started up the boogie check before I could um, and it was based on on that format so that's how Gus came along Gus uh, I was doing a shift at Stereo 10 at the time as well and David was doing the boogie check and I'd come on and do all these different characters for him and Gus became the staple and, and of course, the complaints department um, that he was in charge of, which got used quite a lot. It was it was very fun to listen to and I, I thought, I, wa- I want to be a part of this, but I'm going to need to come up with a character to, mm. to get on rather than just ring up and say day to mates. So I thought, <laughs> this, this is really sad, but I, I made a character called Vivian the voiceover man. Yes. And uh, he, here's how Vivian sounded. Uh, Buggy. Yes, hello, Robbo. It's uh, Vivian, the voiceover man, calling from Take One Studios in Albert Park. Vivian, Vivian, the voiceover man. Yes, have you got another commercial for us? Got a 30 second of coming your way right now. All right, hold on. Can you roll tape for me, please, man? Okay, rolling. All right, take it away. 93.9 BFM and 1422 3XY present Gus Minogue live in concert at the National Tennis Centre on three hot occasions, March 28, 29 and 30. Book at Bass now. Book quickly because tickets are going to go out fast and it's featuring a new song. I could be so lucky, for more information, stay tuned to your concert connection combination to 93.9 BFM and 1422 3XY. Do you want a job as a copywriter? I love it. By God, we need one. (laughs) (laughs) I think I surprised you because I used to record everything that you did as it went to air and use those little sound grabs in part of the Vivian the Voiceover Man presentation. Yeah, look, like I said, it was gold when people like you rang up and there was a few others who we knew we were going to get fantastic entertainment. And like I said, the boogie check was only going to work if we had some really good callers and listeners. And, and mate, we used to love it when uh, when we heard, it's Vivian here. <laughs> it's like, oh, here we go, we've got something else spectacular coming down the line. And every time you came up with some amazing stuff and, um, uh, yeah, and you'd have the recording of, of something to throw into it. So you made like a proper... It was better than most productions that radio do today, just quietly. Oh, it's a bit, it's a bit cringeworthy. 3GL... How old were you then? 
1990, so I was 16. There was people like you. There was there was another character that some dude used to come on who was called the Godfather. <laughs> and, and then there was another one called X. There was one called Y and one called Z. And these people used to come up with different storylines. They were all drug and dealers. They were all, well, they were drug dealers, kidnappers. <laughs> um, and it always ended up in a park somewhere. They were waiting for someone to meet them. It was better, but, than, it was better yeah. than watching Neighbours. Oh, no, it was. It was plenty more entertainment than Neighbours, that's for sure. But it was just amazing, the, 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 um, just the storylines that people would come up with and, and the characters they created. And you created that character, which was just, it was fantastic. So kudos to you for that. 3GL had just converted to K-Rock and on the air you would refer to them as KY-Rock. Uh, Viv- <laughs> Vivian rang in one night and pretended to be on air at KY Rock. Hello. Hello, yes. Vivian, the voiceover man calling here from Vivi- down- Vivian, the voiceover man? I'm down the road. Wow, what's happened? Where? Guess, guess where? Oh, you're not at KY Rock. Geelong's number one rating. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, um, I need a big audience for this thing, so uh, can we do this on K-Rock and the Bay FM? All right, we'll, we'll sum a castle of Geelong and okay. Melbourne. Here we go. This is big. <clears throat> okay, here right. we go. Right. It's time for the K-Rock $3 million payout. <laughs> Far too much time on my hands. That was gold. Who did you have helping you as far as uh, other boys? Was that all you doing that? Both voices? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's that's sad. Really, really sad. How did you record all that, though? Did you? It's just on a ghetto blaster. Just on a. Yeah, on the. on the I Was a Teenage Prize Pig banner, you'll see me as a teenager with this ghetto blaster on my shoulders. Yeah. I did it all on that. So I'd okay. record I'd record the on-air program coming from 3XY and then I'd record my voice on the other tape deck. It was, it was a high-tech operation, Rob. So did you, so did you drop edit it? Or did yeah, you yeah. <laughs> you should have invested in a reel-to-reel and a car machine. You could have had your own little studio yeah. going and... Because it sounded like you had that happening. It was uh, it was it was quite awesome. One one more from Vivian. Uh, this is where I pretended to be um, on air at the Fox, and <laughs> and of course ring the Bay FM three XY 
Bogey check. Hi. Hi. That's Vivian, the voiceover man here. How you going, Viv? Not bad, mate. What do you got for me? Um, I'm at the Fox. Oh, you're not. I've never been there before. No, you've never worked at the Fox. I'm, I'm filling in for Gracie. All right, yes. All right, so what's happening? Are you ready to go to where? Absolutely, mate. Here we go. <laughs> Source, please. You beauty, that was would be of my suggestion as well. Listen, we're gonna kick off 35, four minutes and not so with Michael Penn, no beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh dear idea. Oh, my goodness. Do you reckon um do you reckon you can get away with that today? Saying poof <laughs> Stiffy poof, you'd blow people up, you would Wanker. it was uh, yeah, it was yep. just right on the edge. But but that's what it was was why it was so addictive to listen to. You could not miss one of the boogie checks in case you missed something. Oh, so here's a question. Why could we... Why was we could get away with it back then and nobody complained, or if they did, I didn't hear about it, but today, in today's uh, climate, my goodness, could you imagine? You'd be taken off the air. If you did that sort of stuff today, you would be hauled off the air, you'd be made to apologise, you'd be... It would be full on, wouldn't it? Well, everything you do these days, uh, you don't you don't have to be a listener of a radio station to find content offensive. You can read about it, you can hear audio down the track. You see, I always thought that the boogie check, uh, everyone who did the boogie check, rated in, in Brisbane, it was rating 50% of the audience at night time. And the same in, at uh, XY and Bay, it was just rating its pants off because it was something different. And I reckon if it was brought back today on air and networked and done properly and allowed to be done properly, I reckon it would rate. I think, you know, people say there's there's too many platforms now, there's, you know, Netflix and there's gaming. There's, I think if you, it's the old adage, build something that will come. If you give them something to listen to that they can involve themselves in, I guarantee it that a show like that would probably work today. One night I tuned in and you were gone. Uh, which and I, and I was absolutely devastated. There was no explanation. You were gone. I don't know. Were you sacked? No, no. I, I was poached by Ian Grace. It was funny because Ian Grace was driving down uh, to Corio because they owned... Uh, Ian Grace used to run their Triple M network and they owned K-Rock. And Phil Darkins at the time um, said to Grace, he said, oh, have a listen to this dude on Bay FM. He does this boogie-checking thing and what do you think? And I knew Phil from Brisbane. So Grace is driving down the highway and the first thing he heard was me um, play a record and I scratched it, which I did, you know, I just go, sorry, and I rewound it on the air and then let it go again. And he's rung him up, he's rung Darkens back and said, mate, what are you on? I'm just listening to this guy, it's bloody awful. He's no good. And he said, really? He said, have a listen again. And then he heard the boogie check. Yeah. He rang me straight up and said, uh, do you want to work uh, for you know, us? And I went, yes. So I pretty much resigned and 
and started working for the network. I think I went to the Gold Coast first, and then yeah, the Sydney, ba- sorry, to Sydney, yeah. The Bay FM people were, were very good to me um, because that, that character that I created on your show, we continued on after you'd left for a little while. Laurie Atlas, Paula Contell, uh, Phil Bailed and Dave Gibney, Roxanne Bennett, they were all very generous to me and allowed me to come in and have a have, do a bit of work experience there. They were, they were fun times in that old um, distillery in Corio. That was a wonderful station set up too. It was, it was awesome to go in there and work. So it was uh, it was up the Geelong Road for you then, uh, Triple M. So a jingle like this would bring back great memories for you, no doubt. Remember that set of jingles? Yeah, wow. That's the first time I heard it since uh, the early 90s when I was there. I forgot about them. So you did, you did drive at Triple M and you, you loved a character on the air. We, hello. Hello? <laughs> yes, Max? Yeah. <laughs> yes? Oh, I'm really worried about the Western Australian oil slick. Yeah, it's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Yeah, it's affecting us already. What way is that? I went into Woolworths half an hour ago mm-hmm. and they're selling fish fingers in leaded and unleaded. Go away. That tastes good. <laughs> Bang up to Lou Graham vocals. That was just uh, brilliant. Max is a character that lives on today that I do for a friend of mine. He does breakfast up in Townsville, but his name's now Merrick. So who it was? Who, that wasn't you doing that voice, was it? No. Well, I I do it now, but my brother used to do it. Chris. Yeah, Chris, who used to be on radio, he used to ring up and go, "Yeah, yeah, hello, buddy," and it was his. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I thought it was a great voice. My name's Max, yeah. <laughs> so um, he became a character that I'm doing now, and his name's Merrick, and he's filthy rich. He lives with his mother on Magnetic Island. Brilliant. And he just rings up the station and goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love That's it. it. Tell us about Tony Martin ringing you up. Yeah, t- Tony Martin used to he, – he'd ring me up when I was on air. Tony, of course, did the degeneration. And um, or one of one of the writers for the DJ, and he used to ring up and offer to do scripts for me, like live. He'd just ring up and say, "I've got something for you," and I'm not sure he did it whether he or he just loved being on the radio and loved doing comedy. And um, so he'd ring up, and the hotline would ring, and he'd go, "Rob, I've got I've got a Bob Hawke for you," <laughs> and I go, "Yeah, okay." And he'd go, "I want you to say this, 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 and this." So I'd be writing down the lines, not knowing what he was going to do next. And then I'd roll the tape in the background and then I'd go in the phone ring and go, oh, we got the Prime Minister on the line, Bob Hawke. Yes, hello. And Tony Martin go, yes, it's Bob Hawke here. So th- this country's most talented comedy writer slash performer was ringing you when you were on the air doing comedy for you just because he loved it so much. Correct. Correct. And uh, it was great for me because, I mean, I, you know, sometimes you'd struggle to get some comedy on the air and I'd have one of the great writers of the D-Gen just ringing up and saying, I've got something for you. It was just, it was gold that I had someone of that calibre ringing up, offering these uh, these comedic skits for me to run on air. So, Have you heard Sizzletown, Tony Martin's Sizzletown? No. It's his podcast and uh, it's it is just... If there's one podcast you've got to listen to, it's, uh, well, it's this one, obviously. I was a teenage prize pick, followed closely by <laughs> Tony Martin's Sizzletown, which is, it is absolutely brilliant. He hosts a late night 
talkback podcast and all of the characters that ring in and we've spoken so much about characters he, he plays the role of every single one of the callers and uh, he and Matt Dower, his producer, who, who puts it together, it's just, you'll, you'd love it, Rob. But back to Triple M in the early 90s, it was a formidable lineup. Kevin Hillier and the Degeneration on breakfast. Richard Stubbs in the morning. We had Mark Irvine on early afternoon. You on drive and John Peters at night. And little wonder it, it was number one in that early 90s period. Yeah, I'll never forget um, the ratings came in one day and they came in when I was on air and um, I can't remember who ran in and said number one all shifts. That was the first time an FMA in Melbourne was number one breakfast right through tonight. And um, it just went, it went, the ratings party was unbelievable. It just went off. I mean, we were rating, back then we were rating like 17, 18%, I think. I was doing about 16 in drive, 16.9 in drive. And um, I'll never forget, I went straight to the cart rack. I rang Barry Bissell. He was doing Drive at the time at uh, Fox. Mm. And he congratulated me. I said, yeah, great, you know, da-da-da, hang up. And then I grabbed Fox on the run out of the cart rack <laughs> and announced the rating results. I said, this is for you, Fox. <laughs> Bang! And had the screen going full bore in the studio. Jeez, it was a good time. What was a ratings... T- describe to me a ratings party in 1990 after uh, Triple M had just become number one all shifts. Tell me about the, the party. I can't. You can't remember or you can't? I, I, I can remember. <laughs> I'll just close what went on. It's... Uh, it's a sworn to secrecy. Uh, look, the, the ratings parties at Triple M were legendary. Um, when I, I worked at Triple M in Sydney before Melbourne, and uh, I was just a kid doing nights. And, uh, boy, the ratings parties, I'd see shadows in different studios around me, and it was uh, <laughs> lots of people sniffing various substances of different things. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I was actually a little bit scared. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Um so the boardrooms used to get a good working over, put it that way, at ratings parties. You know, people were in and out of the boardrooms a lot. And right. then there was music filling the station. So, yes, those were the days. We'll leave it at that. Uh, your, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, I, what I loved about your on-air presentation was it wasn't cookie-cutter style. You, was, you seized moments and... Whatever happened, happened. There was no format that you would particularly follow. And when Gary rang in to win, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember, we'll hear what he wins, and uh, and drops a swear word, and, and the way you deal with it is just priceless. Um, who have we got on the line? Gary. Hello, Gary. How are you, Robbo? Good, mate. How are you? Oh, shit. Oh, great. Uh, you got tickets to Winnie Matthews. See you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because back then you weren't allowed. Oh, there was it was taboo, wasn't it, to uh, to swear on the air? Now it's uh, it's just second second word. Do you re- do you recall playing hide the sausage on the air? I love playing hide the sausage. Right, that was funny. A sausage would be hidden somewhere in Melbourne, and you would give clues as to its whereabouts, and listeners would uh, race around and try and find it first. Yeah, the the clues went for it. We, we hit it some amazing places too. We actually hit it in a pot plant at 3KZ. Yes, I remember um, that. And uh, the management <laughs> rang up. They were not impressed because the last clue was you'll find it in a at reception at a radio. So, and people just barreled through the doors of case. <laughs> it was going to be a riot. They didn't know what was going on. 
people were through the reception and running through the place, right? Above, and there was a sausage sticking out of her pot plant. I think Carl just went in there and just dropped it in there, the pot plant, and then left. So that was uh, that was interesting. The other one, we had a, some dude. It, it was theatre of the mind because it was hidden on Beaconsfield Parade somewhere, and the winner was a male nurse. And uh, so they set the theatre up where the nurse was bolting down Beaconsfield Parade. And you just imagine this bloke wearing this white nurse's outfit and high heels, hightailing it, chasing a sausage <laughs> down Beaconsfield Parade. I had tears going in my face. And he was great value on the radio too. I mean, it was a nothing prize. It was a meat tray. It was a meat it was tray. Just, it was a meat tray on Melbourne's number one rating radio station. It just goes to show, doesn't it? You don't need to uh, fork out uh, millions in the marketing budget no, that or the promotions so budget. Mm. That was why it was so funny. It was a tray of meat. <laughs> we hit part of it. If you found it, you got the other part. You know, it was like it was just crazy stuff, but it worked. People love that sort of thing. Let's have a listen. You touched it. Saucy fried hide, whole hot, saucy time snakes, eight chops, rolls to mud sauce on top. The sausage ain't found if you're not looking down, could be anywhere around, and it's gotta be found. Yes, indeed it is. Oh, wow. My, 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 we got Captain Cull out there, hopefully with a winner. Oh, we certainly have. Uh, Peter Fraser from East Doncaster has found the elusive sausage. Oh, by golly. All oh, right. Now, listen, Peter's got his wife uh, in the car with uh, two very small children. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put Peter straight on because it's a bit busy out here. All right, thank you, mate. Yeah, it's busy everywhere, busy in here today. Hello, Peter. Yeah, g'day, Robo. Now, listen, let's get this right. You're travelling around in the car with your wife and two kids. Yeah, we're, we're over at Chadston. We heard the clue and uh, looked it up in the book and over we came. You thought, hey, family, let's go find a sausage. That's, That's another right. way of keeping the family together. Yeah. Now, it was at the dog pound. It was at the dog pound. I was trying to get out. It was halfway up the fence. Well, it wasn't strapped to a dog's leg by any chance. Yeah, no. By golly. <laughs> Not quite. Well, listen, matey, congratulations. You've won a meat tray. Yeah, it's great. And this isn't just any... It's a deluxe meat tray from Trendies. They're great people in Blackrock. Graham or Grant will look after you. And do you realise that they supply uh, sausages and stuff to meatloaf? No, I didn't know that, Robbo. They do. Uh, the Frontier Touring Company, Festival Hall, the Palais, all these sort of functions, they're responsible, trendies. He's such a liar. He's such a liar. No, I'm not. It's it's written here on print. You've got it. You've got a, a deluxe meat tray, mate. Thank you very much for playing. Thanks, Triple M. Have a safe... Oh, thanks, Carl. Thanks, Robbo. Have a safe trip home. We'll play Hide the Sausage again tomorrow at the same time here at Triple M. This is John Waite, Missing You. I wonder if that was the highlight of Carl Van Ness's career, dropping a sausage in a pot plant at 3KZ. You'd have to ask him. <laughs> I think I don't know. I don't know if it's the highlight after being on uh, Eon at the beginning of the, uh, the the great network, but uh, he had fun doing it. I mean, it went, you know, it went for an hour and a half, and he used to tell me that they'd have cars trailing him, um, and he knew people were following him everywhere because they were trying to find. People would spend an hour just driving around trying to find a sausage. Whether they wanted the meat or they just wanted to get on air or it was just a bit of fun, I don't know. Because after that, of course, it went, it, we played hide the mongrel, but it was uh, half a mongrel, so it was a mongrel <laughs> mountain bike. So we hid the pedal and <laughs> found that you got the, So half, hide, hide the mongrel, find the half a mongrel, and win the whole mongrel. <laughs> now, from Triple M, where was it for you? You spent some time at the Fox. It wasn't a lot of time, but you were there no. at the Fox. I filled in for the late JK, um, John, John Kennedy, Kennedy of course, went yeah. a bit AWOL, and so I did the Hot 30 there, and um, I was actually going to get the gig full-time. But um, Jeff Ellis came over from South Australia, I think, and um, 
we didn't really get on. He gave it to Phil O'Neill, ugly Phil, who's a mate of mine, and then it went network. So you know, the rest was history. But that was it was good while it lasts, only for about a month, I think. Fox. While you were on the air, you were dabbling in TV as well. You were a, a reporter on the TV show Wombat. I know you had a couple of roles in Neighbours and uh, the first foray into the uh, the game show genre for you was a, a, a Australian version of a UK show, Talking Telephone Numbers. Uh, so you, you did that for a little while and got a bit of a taste for the whole game show vibe. Uh, t- talking Telephone Numbers was probably still the, the, uh, the one thing that I've done... Uh, I was so disappointed when it finished. It was it was based on a UK show which only went for 30 minutes and they were really jealous that we had an hour. And it was basically a, a variety game show. So it was a variety show and a game show in one where we had some, you know, guests generating single numbers. Uh, like we had Thelma Houston, the amazing Jonathan, uh, Elliot Goblet, uh, The Cause. All these huge acts were coming on the show, doing their act, generating a number. And then um, at the end of the show, there was six, seven numbers, and it was live television. People used to ring up for a chance to win ten grand, and then a chance at a hundred. So it was, it was rating. It was up against Burke's backyard at the time. It was Friday night prime time, and Burke was a juggernaut. You know, he was rating thirties, I think, the way they rated him back then. But we started pulling numbers off, and we we pulled him back to about early twenties, and we were like mid to late teens. So the ratings were there, but after about five weeks. Pete, the program manager left, it was all political and anything that the program manager had on air was gone. So it was just finished. We had the fifth show in the can with Thelma Houston and a few others. They never played it and they'd already paid for it. So it was highly political, the reason why it was taken off the air. And I was so disappointed because it was just a wonderful, wonderful show and it was something totally new and different. People loved it. Thelma could quite rightfully have said, don't leave me this way. That was the song she sang. And it was the last, it was the last uh, act on the last show. Don't leave me this way, and it never went to air. There you go. Ironic, ironic. Wheel of Fortune. We've got to talk about Wheel of Fortune. And from Monday, please welcome the host of the show. Here's Rob Elliott. Bunch of people, big studio audience for a Monday. There they are. Nice to see everybody. Hope you had a good weekend. Here's Adriana Xenides right now. You, you spent a number of years behind the wheel, Rob. Yes, too many. <laughs> too many. I was there for seven years, and I reckon after about year three, I was like, "Yeah, kill me now." Uh, were you bored? Um. Yeah, I was. Uh, at first, it was something new, but you know, it was it was like a. Um, you did five shows in a day, and we did that once a fortnight. And then to cut costs, we were doing twenty shows in a week. So you do Truth. five Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, with a day off Wednesday, and it became like a sausage factory. And yep. I was like, oh, I need to do something else, um, and I was begging them to let me do something else as well to keep me, um, you know, excited and entertained, but. Oh, there was just nothing forthcoming. Where these days, you know, Andrew O'Keefe, he got to do a Saturday morning show. He's on bits and pieces, and there seemed to be, you know, Larry's Larry everywhere. But um, I had no opportunity except for Wheel, and I just went further downhill to the state. It was like, I really don't want to go in and do this anymore. It was never about the money. It was just about it needed something to, um, you know, throw your teeth into that was new and exciting. But you know, Burjo could do it. Uh, Tony Barber could do it. 
after a few years, I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. You sunk your teeth into more games, not on TV this time, not as a, a game show host, but you created board games, which is something you continue to do today. Yeah, I, when I left uh, Wheel, I had no clue what to do, but I had this game, uh, board game in the back of my mind called Smartass, and I thought, well, I better work on this. I've got nothing else to do now. And um, I just wanted to get my money back, the investment, and it, one game of the year in Australia, and then it was picked up with a distributor overseas, and... Um, it went gangbusters worldwide. So I think it's sold about over 4 million units so far since 2007. That's amazing. And it's still going today. It's still going really well today. Um, so that was the beginning of it. And I thought, well, okay, that works. So let's do a few more. And I've done about, I don't know, six or seven games since then. And I've still got a couple to do and I'm, you know, they're just sitting in the background. But um, it's, it's a lot harder now, the market. But, yeah, look, that was... It's, it's, it's helped me. It's helped, uh, you know, keep going with um, trying to get some creative stuff happening anyway. Well, those little creative elements you put into the boogie check and right throughout your on-air career, obviously there's just so much creativity in that head of yours, Rob Elliott, and uh, what you're doing with the board games. I don't know where I go to sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there's just some crazy stuff going around up there and, uh, yeah. And you're in, you're in Noosa. You've been living there for many years. And um, any thoughts? Oh, I mean, you're, you're a Brisbane boy originally, aren't you? Brisbane born and bred, yeah. Uh, left there when I was 17. Couldn't wait to get out of there, but... Uh, bit nomadic but I mean Noosa has always been a spiritual place for me I just love this place so much and I've always come back to it you know gone away come back um I lived up here in the late 90s had a house and then um moved back here five six years ago and I'm not going anywhere now this is where I stay love the water love surfing uh, it's a perfect lifestyle well, mate, it has just been terrific having you on the podcast. I was a teenage prize pig. You were uh, a very uh, big part of my wanting to get into the radio industry. I used to love listening to you on the radio and have followed your career all along. And uh, it has been an absolute thrill for me to uh, have a chat with you here today. But I ne- you never won anything off me. I don't. Oh, oh look, I, I may have. So but I want to make up for that right now. Oh, you got a, got have a, you got a sausage? I've got better than a sausage. <laughs> I've got my new game. Bulltish. Bulltish. Oh, Rob, thank you. A game that's absolutely full of it. <laughs> a bit like me, see? So you'll well, well thank you. I, w- I will take that. Rob Elliott, thank you, mate. Uh, really good to catch up. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks again for listening. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please give it a nice rating and hit subscribe and send me a message to let me know your thoughts. Maybe you were a teenage prize pig too. Instagram, at John Vertigan. That's at J-O-N-V-E-R-T-I-G-A-N. We might kick this thing home next week and wrap up season one with a bloke who is also John Vertigan. He does have an H in his John. Yeah, he put up with all of this prize pig behaviour in the home. My father was working at 3UZ at the time, on air, same time as his son was ringing around winning prizes and appearing on all sorts of shows across Melbourne radio and making a bit of a pest of himself. So uh, best I apologise to him. That's next week on I Was a Teenage Prize Pig. See you then.